and welcome to episode 242 of Smarts, which, as you know, stands for... Selena's mega anniversary results in tearful Smarty. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe that's your... Oh, I am your host, Julia Gulia of Internet Fame-Podcaster, and with me, as always, is Trevor, aka Rudiger Q, Podcaster. Hello. Hi. I love your um, acronym there. Good. <laughs> okay, why don't we start with the news? Okay, so there's only a little bit of news this week, uh, and it's sort of a good news, questionable news situation. Uh, Stargirl has been renewed for season two, but it was renewed by the CW, so the show will be moving to the CW for season two and off of DC Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just the latest in a recent series of indications that DC Universe might be either being shuttered or changing its purview because first doom patrol um is doom patrol is also appearing day and date on hbo max alongside dc universe harley quinn is also going to be uh uh showing up on hbo max um let's see there was more well swamp swamp thing is was you know is going to be airing on the cw star girl is airing the day after on the cw and has now been renewed by the cw the only DC Universe exclusive shows that haven't showed up elsewhere are Titans and Young Justice. Mm-hmm. And one could well imagine them appearing on HBO Max as well. Um, and that none of, no shows have been renewed for DC Universe recently. We know that we're getting season three of Titans and another season of Young Justice. But, you know, there's been conspicuously no renewal so far for Harley Quinn. And, you know, now with this Stargirl news... Um, it it does seem weird, and we talked about this going all the way back to when HBO Max was first announced, that it seems like why would Warner Media want to have two different streaming services? Mm-hmm. I can well imagine that pretty much all the DC Universe shows will move either to broadcast or to HBO Max, and DC Universe just becomes like a, a, a comic and community service mm-hmm. with no original... and and. Possibly some video content as well, but maybe just like back catalog stuff, no new originals. Mm-hmm. Because HBO Max is also doing DC originals, like we talk about periodically, the Green Lantern show, Strange Adventures. Mm-hmm. You know, they're doing the Snyder Cut of Justice League, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, I mean, I'm not beholden to the DC Universe service per se. If mm-hmm. th- those shows appear on a different service instead, we'll just watch them there. What is more troubling to me is the move to the CW for Stargirl. I would much rather it had been renewed by HBO Max Mm -hmm. because moving to the CW almost certainly means a big cut in the budget. It might mean a relocation of the production. I'm I'm reminded of when Supergirl was picked up by the CW from CBS? No, NBC, whatever it was airing on for that first season. And yeah. they moved production from L.A. to Vancouver and Callista Flockhart had to leave the show. Right. Like, what if something happens here and they move Stargirl to Vancouver and the show looks completely different mm-hmm. and Luke Wilson has to leave the show because he's not willing to live in Vancouver or something. Like, right. just, that would be an analogous situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and the show has a reduced budget and they just operate out of one JSA set mm-hmm. and some streets mm-hmm. and we lose all the, you know, exterior shooting in the neighborhood and the mm-hmm. school and mm-hmm. the football, you know, stadium at the high school and everything else and you know the what extras I mean? in the yeah in yeah the building, it's just the yeah. show has got a much more and you can see it on screen the cg the C, cg stripe the costumes look yeah. way better than most of the cw yeah. costumes um 
I mean, some of that would carry over. They already have the stripe model. They already sure. have the costumes. They already have the cast in place, and maybe some deals could be worked out there. But, um, yeah, it seems it's it's troubling because the CW shows, even though we really like them, all definitely feel of a piece. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. this show really feels different. And it mm-hmm. and for, I wouldn't want it to start feeling like all the other CW shows. Yeah. I like hopefully, what it's bringing. Hopefully, if Jeff Johns stays on board, um, then even if the budget is reduced, they can find a way to work around it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he's no longer involved day-to-day with the show and they just bring in some people from the other CW shows to run it, yeah. then that's that's really too bad because I think the show would lose its unique identity at that point. Right. I agree. I but agree. But that, we'll have to wait and see. I'm not sure Jeff Johns has spoken publicly about this. This news is probably too new. and It might even be above his, I mean, it's almost certainly above his pay grade. Back when he was one of the head honchos at DC, he might have had some say in this. But now that he's just mm-hmm. freelance, then not really. Right. Um, I mean, if it's his, he's an executive producer on the show. So I'm sure he was involved in the discussions about the show being renewed by a network. But he might not have had, Yeah. you know, if it was like, look, we DC Universe are not renewing this because we're not renewing anything. Yeah. You know, say for example, that's what's happening. It's the CW or nothing. Mm-hmm. Then that would have been, you know, a decision that maybe he was involved in, right. and you know, he, then he would have to decide whether he still wants to be involved in the show, even if he doesn't have the resources that he did before. Anyway, and this is all speculation, aside from the fact that it's been renewed by the CW. But I don't know. I mean. I, I would have much rather it, it would picked up by HBO Max because yeah. HBO Max doesn't just have like dark Snyder Cut style content. They also have like the Elmo <laughs> talk show that we watch with, with our, yeah, our exactly. son, right? Mm-hmm. Like they have Lighter Fair too and they've got Sesame Street on there. Like st- a family friendly show like Stargirl would fit in fine yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and they, they certainly are looking for more originals mm-hmm. to bolster their catalog. So I don't know, maybe they passed on it or maybe CBS, the CW had like right of first refusal because they had this pre-existing deal right. to re-air the first season. Yeah. And maybe they didn't have a choice, you know. But again, those are all, these are all Warner Media companies and they, they made that deal in the first place. So I don't know. Anyway, it's, it's, I would have much rather DC Universe just gave it another season like Titans is getting or it had been picked up by HBO Max. Yep. Um, this is better than not being renewed at all. Yeah. But hopefully the show retains, you know, its budget, but also its identity and its cast and everything right. else that makes it what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, at the very least, we have four or five more episodes this season. And then, you know, if it's not the same show next season, at least we got, you know, sort of lightning in a bottle, this, this mm-hmm. wonderful first season that we've gotten. Wouldn't be the first time a superhero show went, you know, took a bit of a slide in quality in the second season. And sometimes they recover from it and sometimes they don't. But, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, it's probably another year before we... Although if it's on the CW now, but that's the other thing. If it's on... Well, I guess sometimes... I guess Black Lightning has reduced episode counts. I was just going to say, if it's on the CW, does that mean they're going to have to go from 13 episodes a year to cranking out 23 a year like mm-hmm. most of the other shows do? But Legends and especially Black Lightning have reduced episode counts mm-hmm. um so maybe they can go from 13 to 15 or something mm-hmm. but again spreading spreading out the same or less money over more episodes is not exactly a recipe for quality either mm-hmm. so who knows but you know we might end up getting more episodes per year this way you know because yep. these streaming shows like how long has it been since we, how many titans episodes do we get per year we get like 12 episodes every two years or something or same with doom patrol right with star girl if we get 13 a mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. like we get for black lightning for example that's more but again do you want more at the cost of quality mm-hmm. the show was set up to run a certain way with a certain budget you know so anyway i mean it's all speculation but we'll have to wait and see i, I would feel better if jeff johns got out in front of this it's a little few days too late for that now but if he at least you know got out behind this 
yep. and said, you know, I will continue to be involved in the show. I, I have the utmost confidence that we can maintain the show's quality. The cast and crew are committed to making this transition as seamless as possible for the audience. It's such, like, you know, yeah. heck, I could write this for him, right? Yeah. He's not a writer. Why yeah. would he? You know, I'm just kidding. He's, um, <laughs> but I would feel better. If something, the, the silence has, has been, you know, the, perhaps the most troubling part here. But I don't know. Maybe this, maybe he was blindsided by this too and he's sort of figuring out what, what to he do. wants to do. Yeah. So, plus he's still probably involved in post production on the latter half of this season. So he's, right. you know, yeah. In addition to writing so much other stuff. So I don't know. But still, you think he could take 10 seconds and draft up a little PR release that just reassures the fans or at least post something on Twitter. Yeah. You know, like I know I've, I know a lot of people are worried about the Stargirl news, but rest assured we'll have we'll have more exciting news to share soon. The future of the show remains bright or something like that. Yeah, but he doesn't know that. Well, hopefully he does. <laughs> if, if he doesn't know what's going on, then the show's really in trouble because it's well, his yeah. show. Anyway, we'll have to wait and see, but yeah, that's that's the news this week. At least it's coming back. Yeah, it's better than nothing. But we'll have we'll have to wait and see what what effect this has on yeah, the show. I know. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Um, that's it. That's all the news. Yeah, that's the only news. Okay. So, so what, what, was, what oh, was your comic of the week? Me. Um, as the acronym indicates, I picked a Selena Kyle <laughs> referenced uh, comic book, the Catwoman, um, eighty year anniversary special. Um, it had a story in there by Tom King, which just made me ugly cry. Full on, like, choking back balls, just beautiful storytelling about how Selena became a mom to baby Helena. And then at the end, she's a fully grown woman in there at um, Batman's grave. And just talking about, I don't know, life and each other and and um, losing Bruce and how... Selena was always and remains to this day, even in her old age, an independent woman who is not chained down by anything and, um, you know, just when she wants something, she just goes out and get gets it and she, you know, cares about people. But honestly, she's always been a very solitary person and the few people in her life that managed to creep into her life were, were solid people, but she never expected that she would be a mother and and yet this tiny little kitten <laughs> this beautiful little kitten um stole her heart and overcame her selena's fears of being a mother and being chained down and being changed against her will and in any way being less than what she always aspired to be and what she always regarded herself as being and and yet this teeny teeny little baby stole her heart and Oh, it's just, oh, just remembering it makes me want to ugly cry again. It was such a good read and it was so beautiful. And the art was stunning. I'm, you told me that Tom King had tweeted out an early picture of um, Selena and Batman on the, like on a, in costume. And she's got this pregnancy belly and she's, um, and he's, he's holding her. Um, on a rooftop somewhere in Gotham and it's just this beautiful flowing image it's so powerful and yet so just beautiful because she looks fantastic as, uh, in in her full pregnancy form and it's just it's so hopeful too oh it's just such a good good story it's so good he knows how to write people he really does so that's why I had to pick it for my comic of the week. I literally shut the issue and I was like, I don't want to read anything else like ever. <laughs> this is the best. This is the best thing I think I've ever read in my entire life. It was so good. Um, 
Yeah. What was your comic of the week? So Top I, that. <laughs> I picked. Okay. Buckle up. <laughs> Gird yourselves. So I picked uh, the Green Lantern 80th anniversary issue. Mm, that was um, good. But there, not as good as Tom. There King. wasn't one in here that stood out <laughs> for me as much as that one did for you. But just just cumulatively, you know, the Jeff Johns, Hal Jordan story was great. Oh. Um, the Ron Mars, Daryl Banks, Kyle Rayner story was great. The Simon Baz story was great. There was a fun yeah, Sinestro story by Colin Bunn and Doug Monkey. There was a, the great uh, Alan Scott story at the beginning yeah. that uh, Gary Frank from Doomsday Clock I had to reread parts of it because it was so good, veiled conversation, and I missed parts of it, and you and I had, like, took a break to talk mm-hmm. about what was the subtext of what was really being discussed here, and I thought that was, and it the, was really good. And the Guy Gardner Kilowog story was fun, and the John Stewart story by Dwayne McDuffie's widow mm-hmm. was good, and yeah, it was just a, overall, it was a really nice, really nice package. I thought they did a good job of hitting all the bases. You know the writers, the writers and artists you would hope would be in there, and they sort of had a story by all the for all the characters, and even some of the quote unquote minor Green Lanterns, like the new Teen Lantern from Young Justice and yeah. Joe from Far Sector, at least mm-hmm. had pinups in there, even if yeah. they didn't have their whole stories devoted to them. There um, was a whole section at the end that uh, yeah, and went then there was over like a who's single, who, yeah, yeah. Of, all the, of all the human, cal- human Green catalog. Lanterns and a lot of the other alien ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, yeah, that was that was fun. I I think my favorite out of that one was definitely the Guy Gardner. Mm, memorial <laughs> issue. Yeah, the um, Four Musketeers yeah, one by Venditti um, and Rafa Sandoval, I think it was. Yeah, I'm a sucker for just love between people who work together. I I like that very much. Yeah, yeah. So uh, for our along those lines, for our activity, I thought it's been a while since we ranked things. Oh. <laughs> so I thought we would rank the Green Lanterns. Oh. Okay. So we can't spend too long in each one because there's eight of them here. So it would <laughs> take a long time. All right. So we've got, Alan, I mean, you know all these. Alan Scott, Hal Jordan, Guy Gardner, John Stewart, Kyle Rayner, Simon Baz, Jessica Cruz, and Sojourner Joe Mullane from Far Sector. Okay. Okay? Yep. So you want to go first or should I go first? Uh, I'll go first. I... Hmm. You don't have to have numbers for all of them. Okay, if you want good. to just do like your top your top three and then, you know, give a sense of maybe who's at the bottom. <laughs> up to you if you um, can like rank eight people off the top of your head then uh watch me so i think my favorite can so I, far can i get can i guess who your favorite is okay hmm i think part of you wants to say jessica cruz mm-hmm. but i'm not sure if she's accumulated enough sort of sentimental value for you yet because she's such a new invention for the comics not that you've got like this long history with a lot of the others i think you're i think you're probably going to put I think you're probably going to put Hal Jordan first just because you've read so many more good stories with him and then maybe Jessica second and Guy Gardner third or something like that. Am I close? No. I am going to put Jessica first hmm. because although she doesn't have a, a, a deep bench library like Hal Jordan does, he has a lot more history clearly, But and I really do love Hal Jordan, but I have to tell you, I think Jessica earns it simply because she has more to overcome. And... She's still courageous in spite of even more baggage than Hal ever Yeah, carried. one could say that the Green Lanterns, actually you could plot it on the XY <laughs> graph. I think each successive Green Lantern has had more to overcome. I mean, Alan Scott was oh, a yeah. white, wealthy businessman yeah. and socialite. 
Then Hal Jordan was, you know, had more of a he work. Was blue. He was a little more blue collar, but still, not test even pilot that. is not exactly pretty is, elite. Is pretty elite. Yeah. Then you go to Guy Gardner, who's you know still white male heterosexual, but a bit more like more a working the, class attitude. Yeah, and, and he get, had a broken home. Then that you got he to John John Stewart, who yep. for the first time is a minority, and he mm-hmm. had, so he had that to which was you know obviously is still something to still presents its own problems these days, but especially you know fifty years ago. Yeah, in the seventies. God, when he was almost debuted. fifty years ago. That's I know, insane. isn't it crazy? Forty five years ago at least mm-hmm. um kyle rayner you know in different ways than john stewart he didn't have the race thing to overcome although he isn't you know purely white mm-hmm. um but just by virtue of the fact that he was the last green lantern had to carry on for everybody and didn't know what he was doing yeah and then you get to simon baz and jessica who are respectively you know a dark-skinned muslim character who was accused of being a terrorist and held without trial at guantanamo bay mm-hmm. and someone with a crippling anxiety yeah and agoraphobia right mm-hmm. so arguably on the level with John and Kyle, but maybe a little bit more heightened. Yeah. You know? So, and then you get to Joe, who I guess maybe in some ways less, in some ways more, because she's got this whole new weird world that she's completely responsible for. And she's afraid of heights. And she's she's black, but it Mm -hmm. probably doesn't matter to too many people on this planet Mm -hmm. that she's black or a woman. Doesn't seem to matter too much to them, because what would they care? Um, but yeah, arguably it gets harder and harder for each Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so Jessica is number one. Who's who's number two? Um, I think Hal's going to be your number two. I think you. I no, think you, you know what? Kyle is my number two. Really? Yeah, I know. I think you had as much affection for him as I, I did because really you've never do. You've, you haven't read too maybe many. Maybe I'm of the infected by Kyle your stories. I think maybe because I'm infected by your affection for him. Because, um, but honestly, I saw a lot of comics in which he was really. He presented himself as a level-headed, calming presence, a self-aware person who was humble, but at the same time capable, and just an even force. And I, I really like that. And uh, John Stewart he's, is he's my... He's matured a lot. In his yeah. early stories, he was almost sure. he almost had more in common with Jessica. Not so much the crippling fear, but just in terms of like the constant worry about, do can I do this? Do I, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm mm-hmm. not up for this. Why did they pick me? Kind of thing. Yeah, and I think that... I don't know, a person who's who's dealt with that kind of uh, phase of their life ha- has definitely is is they earn their confidence uh, slowly. But I really like Kyle. I think he's creative. I really um, I like his constructs. They're really funny. And he definitely puts a lot of his art into each of the constructs and the way he solves problems. I mean, he really has solved more problems than more creatively than a lot of the other lanterns. And that's why he's such a, a, a great member of the team. Um, I love John Stewart just because from the car- cartoons. So he's my number three. Um, from the, yeah, cartoons, the cartoons really breathe new oh life man, into him. He was so he was a good. good character and in some ways a lot of a different I love his in intro. Comics. I just looked up the intro and it's, it's Yeah, from the Denny O'Neill, mm-hmm. Neil Adams, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, whatever it was. From when he was introduced in that first issue. It was so I mean that first like the first few panels of him being uh recruited by the Guardian and Hal Jordan with his own being confronted by his own bigotry when he blames him for the confrontation of with two police officers instead of the two cops who were getting in his face and I thought I thought his introduction was really a good introduction for his character too because he was very level-headed but also strong and unbending and I thought that that strength was something that they kept in the iterations of his character in the cartoons 
um, because he was definitely like a military leader. He he could strategize, but he kept yeah. his um, he kept his uh, his core values no pl- no pun intended um, center. The cartoons created the military background for him. I don't know if you. I think you probably were aware of that, but I'm not sure if you remembered that. No, I didn't. I didn't remember. He was he was he went from being I thought like that's a good addition ang- to his backstory. quote unquote angry young black man, and then he matured and and you know softened a little bit and then you know he got married and all this stuff and then he became an architect was his thing like and he still is an architect in the comics but now they took the military the marine backstory from the cartoon and they gave that to him in the comics too where he was in the marines Mm -hmm. and then he became an architect so Mm -hmm. he's kind of like a merging of the two but all that was from the the cartoon he was now he never had any sort of military background he was always like he was the the one that would speak truth to power. He was the yeah. rabble rouser, but he was also the one who would sit back and see the big picture and plan, you know, and yep. build. He was the builder, you know. Yeah, and he kept his... I, I like the stories um, also where he really just very cleverly solved a problem that saved his compatriots, like saved the people in his core. And I think that is just awesome. I love the stories with him. I really do love the way he was written, especially for the show. So I don't think we have time for you to do all Sorry. that. Sorry. Do, do you want okay. to just say who's at the bottom? So your no, top three, no, no. So that, or do you want to just list them? So I'll just Jessica list them. Jessica Cruz, Kyle Rayner, John Stewart. I think it, I think that Alan Scott's going to be on your bottom. He is. You're going to feel bad about it, but you just, you don't think you, I I don't think you have I enough don't, exposure to the, yeah, the character yet. Exactly. Um, man, so after after this, I like Guy, Guy Gardner. Did I mention Hal yet? No. <laughs> I was going to say. Mm. That's fine. Okay, Hal Jordan, then Guy Gardner, then um, Joe um, Simon, Moline. Simon, yeah. Is that how you would say I, would I, I don't know. So. I've been reading is it. Simon, but... your second to last then? Wait. Oh, Simon. Simon is above Hal. Simon <laughs> is above, above Hal. You know Hal. why? Yeah, because I love his relationship to his family. I love that he tries and he may not you're always. Gonna get, you're going to get Hal's awesome, Emerald, Emerald Advancement Corps. Honestly, gonna, I know. Emerald Advancement Sorry. Team, whatever they called. Heat. This was and this, I love this his was, relationship this was with this Jessica. Fang, Their this friendship was this fan is group really that great. was petitioned DC Heat. Hal's Emerald Advancement Team. Oh, boy. They, they would, because they, they made Hal Jordan evil and then killed him and replaced him with Kyle Rayner. This was this group of fans that would like lobby DC to have Ron Mars, the writer, fired and Hal Jordan and, and Kyle Rayner written out of the book. And Hal Are Jordan you telling returned. me that I'm bringing the heat? I guess you are. <laughs> I don't think they exist anymore. Hal Jordan's pretty, has had a pretty good comeback. He's doing great. And these are all like really, really, I don't know. You told me to rank them, so I'm ranking them. So, but they, I really have hold all of these characters in great esteem because they've, they've all given me stories that entertain. Well, that's one of the nice things about the Green Lantern book. Like I, I, I I love the five minutes when Dick and and Bruce were both Batman at the same time, but everybody knew that couldn't last forever. Whereas in the comics and, and, but you can, there's some books to say that, like you can have three or four flashes. And you can have eight Green Lanterns and nobody cares because there's also 7,200 other Green Lanterns out there. Who cares if half a dozen of them happen to be from the same planet, yeah, right? Yeah. So some some concepts can sustain that. And that's the cool. That's one of the cool things about the Green Lantern mythos. So for my part, I think, not, no surprise, Kyle Rayner has to be first because he was the first DC, uh, DC, first DC character aside from like, you know, the, the Christopher Reeve Superman movies and the Batman the Animated Series cartoon. But he was like the first DC comics character that I like I picked up a comic about him and I'm, I guess I probably had some Superman and Batman comics growing up but he was the Kyle Rayner character was like my entrance into reading DC comics regularly like he was my you know I told you about mm-hmm. this I read this yep. one article in Wizard Magazine about <laughs> Kyle Rayner Wally West and Tim Drake and those are still probably like my three mm-hmm. I mean Superman's probably number one and Batman's up there somewhere too but those three are like my sentimental favorite characters like Tim's my favorite Robin Wally's my favorite Flash and Kyle's my favorite Green Lantern they'll probably never change um 
And so, and I picked, I remember the first Green Lantern issue I read and it was him. And then I was like, oh, he's also in this JLA book, which just started by some Scottish guy, I guess. I guess I'll give that a try, right? And Mm -hmm. then it ended up being Grant Morrison's JLA, which is maybe my favorite long run of of any comic ever. Um, So yeah, so he's got to be number one. I also think that he's, I also think that he's like the most well-rounded, interesting character out of the whole lot. I'm probably biased because of sentimental reasons, but I think that his arc has been, you know, Jessica, she's still around 20 years from now. I could see her arc Mm -hmm. being just as good because where she started and where she might end up are going to be so vastly different. But Kyle, so far from being like this guy who got the ring behind a bar one day and was like a down-in-his-luck artist with no prospects, like a girlfriend who was breaking up with him and no real job prospects, no real direction in his life went from there to being the the you know the first white lantern the first one to journey beyond the source wall the torchbearer who revived the entire green lantern corps if it weren't for him they all would have died out cuz he was the one that kept it going until hal came back and the core came back and the guardians came back so he he's had more of an impact on the history of the green lantern corps he's arguably the most important green lantern in the context of the series the mm-hmm. most important one who's ever lived and he's at times been the most powerful and everything but i never cared if he was the most powerful i just i wanted him to get the respect of being you know, the torchbearer, as they call it. So he's got to be number one for me. I think I'd probably have to put Hal at number two, um, but it's it's more like modern like modern Hal since Jeff Johns came on board and gave him a bit, bit more shades, mm-hmm. you know, and presented him with more flaws. That's that's the version. That, the classic Hal Jordan was fine, but he was, you know, as a lot of characters were in the 50s, 60s, 70s, was sort of too perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I, want, I like that. Like one could make the same argument about Superman, but for me it works better for him because he's more of like the icon, I guess, whereas Hal is supposed to be a bit more relatable but never really came off that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I like them all. I think I'd, I'd have to put Alan at number three. I understand that you don't have as much history with the character, but I, I always love I loved those old-time JSA characters and, and, and reading about them, so he'd have to be number three. I'm not sure I can really... Guy, maybe if I'm allowed to tie, maybe have Guy and John tied tied for fourth and then simon and jessica tied for fifth or something because i don't know I you can't... made this up you can't even give me a good old honest well ranking. i mean i guess okay so john <laughs> then guy then jessica then simon then joe i guess nice okay and, and, and a lot of it has to do with just like who i have the most history with like it's not mm-hmm. it's no slight against the characters that ended up at the bottom i just haven't read enough yeah, great, I can't get enough of them. our sector. I just really yeah. wish they had more issues. I just haven't read enough good stories with them in it yet for them yeah. to for me to say, okay, now this is a really great, well-rounded character, and they've had such an arc, and I love their relationship with this character and this character and this character. Like Joe and Simon, and well, Joe especially, but I meant to say Jessica and Simon have their interactions with other characters in the DC universe. I mean, they were in the Justice League for like a year. Yeah. But other than that, like, like, can you what can you tell me about? jessica or simon's relationship with like any other superhero right Mm -hmm. whereas i could go on for a long time but oh all the great kyle and wally moments all the great kyle and batman moments Mm -hmm. you know when Mm -hmm. kyle and connor hawk like and then you know with and with the other green lanterns like alan and and hal when he came back they had such an interesting relationship and the way the guy and john would kind of look out for him and the the other people he was on the jla with and his love interest like there's so many there's such a when characters have been around for that long and they had their own solo book for years there's this sort of web of relationships around them that are part of what part of who they are and part of their story and Mm -hmm. and simon and jessica and especially joe haven't really had the time to earn that yet Um, and hopefully they will but it takes like a solo book of theirs that runs for years to accrue all that and and they haven't gotten that yet they had a they had basically a, a team up book and some team memberships and guest appearances but they haven't really earned all that yet so i'd mm-hmm. have to i'd have to put it that way 
So that'd be my ranking. Probably not too surprising. (laughs) So should we move on to our shows? Yes. Okay, so we have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Stargirl, and then a couple of episodes of Doom Patrol. Mm -hmm. So Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., this one was called Adapt or Die. So this is kind of like the second part of last season. So the the whole part with the lighthouse and uh, Patrick Warburton's character. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they got to flood the thing, but they can't because Mac's parents are in there. But it turns out his parents have been killed and replaced by the Chronicoms. Yeah. That was shocking. I didn't see that coming. Um yeah, it was a good episode, and, and Coulson seemingly sacrificed himself to flood the thing, but I got to think either they've got another copy of him on the ship somewhere, or it'll turn out that he wasn't killed in the explosion. Right. He was just buried under there, and but he doesn't need to breathe, I guess, and like 10 years later, he's like, yeah, I was trapped under underwater for yeah. <laughs> 10 years, but here I am, or something like that. Because yeah. Yeah. obviously, they're not going to write Clark Gregg out of the show halfway through the final season, right. so we're going to learn more. And there's some great moments in there with um, Sousa and Daisy, Yeah. right, where she... You know, she's she's basically she's really tor- been you know, tortured. Not, not, well, no, I mean, she's tortured because no anesthetic and they stick needles in I her guess. and took out some of her glands. To, Are you kidding? Yeah. What else do you call that? Well, to me, torture is like, yeah, I guess I guess I, I guess when I think of torture, I think of it more as like as a as a the, an end in it's so like we're going to torture this person. Right. They weren't trying to torture her. They were trying to extract medical stuff from her. And it just ended up being extremely painful. They were, they were, they were, it was a surgery. It was for surgery more than it was torture. I understand it was a torturous procedure for her. But anyway, um, but she comes in and she's like near, he, no, near cause death. This, and, no, 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 no. Because that was an end in the means. He didn't care that he was causing her harm, but he actually took pleasure knowing that he did. And therefore, that I guess. is torture. So they bring her in and, and, and Daniel has this nice thing where he tells her a, mm-hmm. a little bit of his backstory to kind of keep her awake. She ended up like she had... You know, she was all bloody, whatever, but she'd like spirited away like a, a shard of, of like metal or glass or something yeah. like in her skin, basically. Yeah. So that she, she could shoved get, it so into that, her own. So that she could give it to him and he can ultimately palm, yeah. get from escape. So it just shows like what a fighter she is and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was great. We had the, the Malik guy, the, the son kind of gets a bit of an ignominious end because he comes in, he's got the powers. Yeah. But he's like starts bleeding and he's like, oh, my bones are shattering for this power. Because because she that happened to her at first, too, yeah. which is why she had to wear the gauntlets. And then after a while, it got OK. Like, I can't remember. Did she just get more control over she it she did get she she got a lot just more experience? control over it, it was uh, some of was it was experience but also yeah it was a long plot point because she wasn't she wasn't able to channel and use her powers effectively so yeah she, knew she, she was she like them. she was holding it in and so that's why it was hurting right. her bones once she learned to properly channel it outwards mm-hmm. then it, the vibrations weren't feeding back on her anymore yeah right. i vaguely remember mm-hmm. um but yeah that was a good episode so we've yep. got four or five left um star girl this is part two of shiv Mm-hmm. Um, this was great. So there's more between Cindy and Courtney. Yeah. Courtney's laid up for most of this. Right. Because last Cindy, week we were wondering if Cindy was going to know who Courtney is. Right. And we were kind of both wondering. right because it didn't seem right. like she, it was because she overheard Pat or, or the fact that he came in necessarily. Exactly. It was, uh, so she says, mm-hmm. because, well, did you really think I wouldn't notice you under that dumb mask? Although she's one to talk. She wasn't even wearing a mask. Yeah, so I'm exactly. not sure she should really be giving. Of course, her whole thing is she doesn't care. No, she doesn't right? care. She, she doesn't wanted care if to, these she, she stupid, thought she killed her. Uh, stupid, yeah. stupid high school students find out who she is. That's not her life. She's right. just trying to earn her position in the Injustice Society. She right. wouldn't care if she ever went back to that high school ever Imagine again. Imagine if she's the people. one that gets converted. Converted to what? To the light side. I don't think that's going to happen. You she's, don't think so? she's like Courtney's opposite number in the comics. You know, mm, she's like I her see. Joker or her Lex Luthor. Like that's kind of elevating her somewhat. <laughs> but she's like her dark opposite. You know, like okay. the child of the previous generation. Right. Who I like the conversation that they had, the veiled conversation that uh, where Courtney wasn't sure whether or not she knew yet. But anyway, she that, said, "Yeah, we yeah, could, that, you that, could, that it was good. It was like was in, just, in another world. It was kind in of another, out of character for her, but just enough." 
that you could sort of plausibly see that maybe she's had a bit of a change of heart. Yeah. Maybe, but... I thought it was displaying some self-awareness. I thought it was interesting that she said to her, she said, in another, given other circumstances, you could have easily been me. And and Courtney comes back with, or you more like me. Um, And I thought that was important because like the good arch rivals in any comic book situation are really similar to each other in a lot of ways and it's only circumstances seemingly that separated the outcomes of one being good and one being you know doing evil things well we the audience realize that that's true Mm -hmm. that they do have a lot in common but i think that cindy in that scene didn't really mean any of what she was saying. She was just there to gradually twist the knife yeah, in court. You know what I mean? I'm not yep. sure she mm-hmm. was really making any sort of offering any sort of olive branch or recognizing no, any commonality so. between them. She was just there to lull her into a false sense of security yeah. so she could drop the hammer on her and make yeah. it all the more devastating. Yeah. But we, the audience, realize, yes, of course, they do have a lot of common in there, but for the grace of Jeff Johns, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then the scene at the end where they kind of infiltrate her house yeah. And Pat and Beth have to pretend to be father and daughter and she sneaks down into the <laughs> that cave. That was doofy. I thought she was going to be like the fifth and the fifth character to walk down there and like, I guess, I guess she was scared off by Solomon Grundy ultimately, although she didn't even get to see him. She didn't even get that far. She's like, nope, 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 nope. That shot where they held it long enough for her to hit her mark, go, nope. Nope, nope, nope. Turn around and hightail it out of yeah, there. Well and just, <laughs> it was really well directed. It was so good. And they follow her, follow focus as she leaves, as she runs away and gets tinier and tinier in the frame. But the camera doesn't move. That was a genius decision. That I, was probably my favorite I shot. think there were a lot of good character moments in this too. Like Pat totaling his <laughs> beloved car. Yeah. Just to, not even to like, not even to, like if you had to do it to like save Courtney or something, that'd be one thing. But just to... Just to like ease her burden somewhat, like yeah. to create a cover story for her so yeah. that she wouldn't have to worry about, you know, her mom yeah. finding out. Although then he immediately goes to her and says, look, we can't, I did this we- for you, but we can't keep doing this. We got to tell her, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I like that he... Was- well, it wasn't, it wasn't just in service of that. You know that, right? I mean, the cops and everybody else would have, would have... Uh, been asking questions about why she was injured with no other thing and it was the easiest cover story yeah it was was, it was to lie to everyone it was to lie to everyone not just that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying and he literally said so he said the rest of the world can believe that you did this in a car accident but your mom cannot go on believing like this but i like that he respected her enough to like he didn't just tell her mom behind her back yeah and he didn't even force courtney to tell her he came to her and, and talked to her like this is something i think we should do and courtney and you know rebutted it and he said okay well i don't feel good about this but I'm going to respect what you want for now and we won't tell her for now. Yeah, you know? yeah. Although then later he had the scene with her mother where he seemed like he was going to tell her. Yeah, yeah. But then she said she, she didn't have time time for her right now. She was yeah. too tired. Um, but then even there's some good stuff with Rick later. It doesn't get a lot to do in this episode, but he kind of flies off the handle, but then he he's able to be calmed down Yeah. by, you know, he's, he's kind of, you know, Beth kind of has a pretty cutting cutting rejoinder to him. Yeah. But then, you know, he's at, he's at least... Um, I don't know, self-reflective enough to realize, like he recognizes his own flaws when they're pointed out to him. And he's like, even though he doesn't actually acknowledge that she was right, he kind of calms down enough to then follow their lead. So he's not, he's not just like some brainless, you know, aggressive idiot who will go out and, you know, bust down doors all the time. Like he definitely has this, this um, impulsive, hot-headed streak about him, but he's able to work in a team environment. He's able to recognize when the others are making good points, yep. which is important because, you know, he could easily come off as the unlikable one, yep. you know, or the mm-hmm. one that's going to get them all in trouble or something like that. So I thought that was smart. Yeah. Um, and then the end, uh, Cindy is dragged down by her father's weird henchman. 
Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see her for a little bit, like a few episodes, maybe until yeah. the finale, because I think they're going to want to deal with Henry and the brainwave stuff. Yep. So the next episode is called Brainwave. Mm-hmm. And then the episode after that is called Brainwave Junior. So Ooh. I think we're going to have a couple of episodes now that focus on the King family. And Cindy's stuff is going to sort of recede. Like we can well imagine she's dragged down there and given the massive, the timeout of all timeouts yeah. by her father. Yeah. And then maybe she shows up again for the season finale, you yeah. know, brainwashed or, or chastened in some way or something. Yeah. But now fully like part of the bad guy team or whatever. Yeah. And now we're going to shift focus to... You know, maybe maybe Beth and, and Yolanda and Rick get a bit more spotlight and, and the yeah. Brainway family is going to seemingly get a bit yeah. more spotlight too. And then there's other members of the ISA that we've, you know, like the Fiddler and so on that have gotten very little spotlight so far too. And, you know, we continue to follow Icicle on his yep. his little I thought uh, their escape also. plan for, for, for Beth to save her by evacuating her quickly um, from... from um, cindy's room was genius like rick just needed the hourglass to be super strong and be able to catch her flying from a window from the second floor but um yolanda needed to climb up to the second floor in order to be able to pull her out which is just a fantastic bit of teamwork and this is one of the first times that we've seen them really function together as a team aside from the conversation in the pit actually because the fact that rick was able to be convinced by not for nothing two younger women who like who who you know it's easy for it's easy for people to overlook that but that's nice i like that i well, like the fact that the other he thing was I like super that too, super is that he's not he, yeah, the fact that they're he, the fact that they're female is right. not doesn't seem to be an issue for him. Exactly, which is a good because I feel like that could really oh, come, come across as unbearable. Absolutely, if he was like, if he was like I'm not going to listen to a couple of little girls, like, like you would right. instantly dislike him. Absolutely. So I feel like it's smart to like he's got his issues, but he has he sees them as peers basically. Exactly, he doesn't have any and sexist hangups. Exactly, exactly, and I think that's important also to note. And I just I like the way that the it shows that he's growing as a character. They're all growing as characters. Not because of the sexism thing, because, again, that wasn't really ever there for him, for his character, which is nice. Um, but I'm saying for his anger issues to be overcomable, if that makes sense. Like, he's not completely unreachable like a bull heading towards a red flag, like he was in earlier episodes. He's starting to grow, and he's starting to regard his teammates and actually treat them like teammates, which is important, because... The last thing you want to do when you're in a furious state is think, and yet this is what he did. So good for him, and some nice writing for the show, because now they're able to actually do something constructive, and then again, you see them working later as a team, and you can see this coalescing, you see this growing. Ah, it's very exciting. I love this show very, very much. I really do. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the reveal of uh, Dr. Shiro Ito, Mm -hmm. and some machinations and connections to Brainwave, who discovered his father's brainwave junior who discovered his father's lair and also a letter more of a, more of a of pretty a, cl- a damning a closet really. uh, yeah a secret closet dun, 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 with a with a letter right there saying oh my daughter will take care of your son thank my you my father for the was actually the green goblin da, da, da. yeah <laughs> that's right i was getting serious spider-man oh yeah sam raimi spider-man vibes from that where the young from the little closet where the, the hot the angry young son of the the of the now out of the picture, secretly evil businessman discovers his green wardrobe and gear in a in a closet and decides to follow in his footsteps. I'm like, is this is this? Are you James Franco now? Is that what's happening? Hilarious, yeah. Well, I don't know. I like it. No butler though that we could see, so that's one difference. That's true. 
so Doom Patrol. So we had Time Patrol and Pain Patrol. Mm-hmm. Um, these were these were good. I, I continue to enjoy the series. The one where they go to the weird sort of pocket time dimension mm-hmm. and fight, uh, fight, if you can call it fight, uh, skate with and then crack the head open of uh, Mr. Time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then in the, the next one, the whole thing with Red Jack and his creepy oh. uh, turn you into a butterfly torture dimension. Yeah. That's straight out of the Grant Morrison run, by the way, that Red Jack character and all of his accoutrements. I'm not sure. Mr. Time, I think, might also be, but he might be an older character, too. I'm not sure about that. That's funny. Uh, but the Red, Red Jack, definitely, because I can picture, like, some of the covers that he was on. He's right <laughs> up there with, like, Mr. Nobody as far as, like, the characters that Grant Morrison. Oh, the wow, they Grant dispatched him in one episode, though. Seemingly, yeah, yeah. But and I'm not he... sure. Yeah. They don't seem to be as interested in a season-long yeah. villain if anything, the season-long villain in this is in this the, season, overcoming their own mistakes. Well, is more to like whatever whatever the threat of Dor- the whatever threat Dorothy represents, like whatever uh, that uh-huh. third voice is in her mind. You know, the yeah, deep evil the one. candle. Yeah, like that's guy. that's um, that they're worried about, and I think that that ended up being a big threat in the comics too, actually, if I recall correctly. Mm. Um, yeah, and some of the stuff to like uh, some of the stuff with Niles in these episodes is interesting. There was actually a, a bit in the comics when he was revealed to be. You know, they revealed that he was responsible for their accidents, but they, they even pushed him even farther than that. Like he was actually like became their enemy mm-hmm. and tried to kill them. And in fact, he seemingly killed Cliff at one point and replaced him in his robot body. Mm-hmm. But then Cliff somehow survived and got it back or whatever. But the idea, the idea which these episodes kind of float as a possibility and then Red Jack kind of throws it at Niles as a as like a hallucination of some kind um, that he might be able to live forever mm-hmm. as as a robot man is something that he actually tried to do in the comics before he was dispatched. And seemingly at the end of this episode, he's going to build... So he he pushed the broken parts of Danny the Brick aside and he started sketching something that said Robot Man 2.0 at the top. Mm-hmm. So did, what did you take that to mean? Because I kind of took it to mean that he's going to start like owning up to some of his past mistakes and he's going to try to build a better body for Cliff that affords him more humanity, like like kind of something like he got later something, in the comics where right. he has more sensation, yes. more, you know? Yeah, something I think that's, that's what he's trying to do. That When when he said uh, Cliff 2.0, I mean, I think that's what... Well, he, it said Robot Man 2.0. Robot Man, so sorry. One, so one could... So one I could, thought that he took out parchment paper in order to start designs on a new thing and if you noticed the older designs were underneath right. trace paper but it's his motivation that i'm questioning because uh. one could argue that it's possible that well what if he's decided that maybe that is how he lives forever is by designing a new robot body for himself because it didn't say oh. cliff steel 2.0 it said robot man 2.0 what if robot man 2.0 is him i think that's less likely because he didn't seem he was too like he was too hot on yeah. the notion of living as a brain in a robot body but it might be better than nothing right yeah. so I don't know. Maybe he's going to build the body and then, and then you know, whoever and then give needs, it to Cliff. Yeah, yeah. Whoever needs it. I mean, that's what happened in the comics. He built this cool all black robot body for Cliff that had way more humanity to it. Mm-hmm. But it was all part of a long plan to like then kill Cliff and take that body or something. So, Jeez. but I, I'm not sure they're going to go that dark with him here. I, I doubt it. It seems like they've, they've, I think they've gone about as dark with him as they're going to reveal yeah. the, cause it's, which is pretty dark. Like he's responsible he for deaths it, yeah. and mutilations. He you wasn't know, concerned by long, meeting Jack the Ripper. Decades yeah. long deceptions. Well, and also like the, the death and estrangement of parts of Cliff's family, right? Like mm-hmm. if he arranged the accident for Cliff, that means he's responsible for his yeah. wife's death, right? Yeah. I mean, and Cliff, his daughter was deemed as collateral, acceptable right. collateral Cliff damage. Cliff seems to be the only one that's, con- that, that's angry with him about this. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, Rita... Larry, we haven't seen as much of how Larry feels towards the chief. We've gotten Larry has his own baggage. Yeah, to deal he's going with. through his own stuff. Rita, Rita clearly has not forgiven the chief, but she's sort of a more understanding. She's of him. willing to, if not give him a second chance, then at least let the current let the current situation 
continue for a while, you know, because there was that bit where 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 the chief was talking to Dorothy and saying, you know, you know, it's important to, you know, right. ask forgiveness and then always Rita, apologize Rita sort of when you make a mistake. Over her shoulder, gives him this pointed thing like, "Well, Barb. some mistakes can't be forgiven, right?" And right. She wouldn't so say pretty, that. She wouldn't no, she say said, that she "Pretty, for, pretty words can't fix everything." Right. She wouldn't say that if she had forgiven him for what he did. So, and I think yeah. it would be unrealistic if, if just after a few weeks, they all forgave him. How for, great is Alice Bowley, by the way? She's great. Bowlby. I can't remember her last name. I'm sorry, or maybe even her first. Or even name. her did, first name. Why did I get now it that wrong? you said that? Ray, uh, Alice. No, it's not. April. April Bowlby. That's it. April Bowlby. Um, okay. I, well, whatever. I, I, knew I her really name, like but you her. Said that you said the wrong name, and that was all I could think <laughs> sorry. of. Sorry. Alice um, Bowley, everybody. <laughs> I'm sorry. I do think, I'm though, sorry. that, well, I, mean, I think we said this last season, too, but Matt Bomer's vocal performance as yeah. Larry, I think, is fantastic. I know. Like, he's, not even, he's not even in the suit most of the time. But the guy performing, doing the physical performance, he's amazing, too. I know. It's great. But just as a vocal performance, yeah. like the amount of nuance that he uh, he's yeah. able to put into it, like the scene where... He, the scenes his where his, his first meetings with Rita in the second episode and where he goes to her room and tells her about how much her movies meant to him yeah. and how he detected this like pain and unhappiness Sadness. behind her performances. Yeah. Like that's just a great vocal performance. Like he was and I'm not sure he's done a lot of voice acting. The only voice acting that I know of that he did is he played Superman in the Superman Unbound animated movie, which was an adaptation of the Brainiac story that Jeff Johns and Gary Frank did for the comics. He was great in that. I would have loved to have seen him play. And he was up for the role of Superman in live action. I think he oh. was I think he was neck and neck with um Henry Cavill? No, before that. Give me a second. Uh Brandon. Brandon Routh. I think he was neck and neck with Brandon. <laughs> Although it might have been Henry Cavill. I can't remember. But oh. but he was neck and neck. He, w- he was like the runner-up. I think he would have done a great job yeah, in, either of, in either of those movies. Yeah, he would have. Um, I mean, he's got, I'm not sure if you know what he looks like in real life. I but do. he looks like Superman, basically. Well, they had they have little clips. Yeah, like you saw him. Yeah, right, 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 right. I completely. Based on those. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, but he, yeah, he would have been great. As, and it's too bad he didn't get to do more voice acting as Superman. In yeah. That. Well, he's getting his. <laughs> he's getting to do a lot of it here. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, like, um, God, I'm terrible with names today. Uh, the guy that voices uh, Cliff. Uh, I, now all I can think of is Brandon Routh, Brandon yeah. Fraser, Brandon Fraser, Brandon Fraser. Um, yeah. He's good too, but his performance is usually like pitched up to eleven. Like he's normally yeah, he so angry to, and so, angry. so shouty. Yeah, that I, it's no knock against him as he, and he's really good in the live action scenes. <laughs> but I feel like in terms of his vocal performance, and it's no knock against him. It's just what the char- the state the character is in. Yeah. He's always he's he's usually playing a almost always playing a similar note. Sometimes yep. there's like a lighter scene, a more mm-hmm. tender scene with Jane mm-hmm. or something like that. And in this most recent episode, some of the stuff with his daughter. But even when he goes to her do- his daughter's door, he's mostly just sort of shouting the whole time. I know, you know what I, I mean. Know. Yeah. Whereas Matt Bomer gets to play more shades. Yep. You know, and I I really think it's a great. It's a great performance. And the way that, and it's not not easy too, because I imagine he's coming in and applying the voice after the actor on set has performed the physicality. Yeah. So he's constrained, much like someone overdubbing like anime yeah. or something, mm-hmm. is constrained to the timing and physical affectations of yeah, the person. Yeah, because you have to hit the emphasis. He can't emphasis just give a the... performance naturally as he normally would. He's right. got to hit the timing that the guy on set portrayed. And then there was also stuff with Jane, don't forget. Um, she had the whole intervention in the underground where they basically sat around in a circle and told her, please don't use drugs because X, Y, Z. And also, you know, expressed to her what they were feeling. I felt a little confused because I thought the woman with the with the glasses was the same 
um, character that we saw last season that was the um, psychologist that could that had the power to make people do whatever she told them to um, at a whim but then we see another person kind of acting in that role running the intervention and so and that new woman seems to have had the same streak in her hair as the other character did so that sort of threw me for a bit because I, I like all of Jane's personalities and I was paying attention when they were manifesting last year as well as this year so um I'm curious to see what that's all about. It might not even come up again. But I thought Jane's personal breakdown was very interesting. And she her speech about how she's the one that survives. She's the one that cleans up everybody else's messes. And she's the one that found the family outside. I thought that they maybe even lacked a line where they said they care about... She said they care about me. But I think it would have been even more effective if she had made the argument that, hey they care those people outside there they care about me and all of you as do, well do they though but they do because they, have they such accept limited experience with any of that's the true but even so i mean well hammerhead has come up a lot in the first season like we saw yeah, a I lot of her personality they, they might not like her but they know how to deal with her they know what her deal is you know and she has even a rapport like a working functional rapport with um cliff because he's the one that could take her punches and um I don't know. I feel like they had some relationship, especially the chief who knows all of her personalities and has cataloged them at length, which is disturbing, but also useful. I think it might have come across. It was all I think they were already but walking, they a, walking a pretty tight line about having Jane say that she that she considers these people to be her family because usually she's pretty abusive towards them. Yeah. And I'm like, really, does she? I'm not <laughs> sure we've seen a lot of evidence. I mean, but that's so I, also a nice bit of growth on her part for I her agree. character but then to, to have admit her say, it, to realize but then, it. But then to have her say, oh, and they also love all of you. That would have been a little too no. kumbaya. Let's all join no, hands. No, they don't love all of you, but they do look out for her with knowing full well that all of you guys are car- are being carried around by yeah, her. And, and I just think, you that, know, I just think that the others probably would breathe a sigh of relief if it somehow they could snap their fingers and Jane was the only personality now. Not because they don't find the uh, the powers of the others to be useful. I just think that they find it very, very tiring yeah. to, to have to deal with her, very her different true. personalities. And they also started to talk more about the Miranda primary who threw herself down a well and that was a point plot point because Jane never knew Miranda she became the uh, the primary after her but she never had encountered Miranda so right. what's her I, backstory I only vaguely remember that stuff from I last did season. Yeah, yeah it was it was really interesting I like I like all of Jane's plot points um leading up until this and so I'm very much invested in this and I thought the baptism scene that came back to her when she was in the time uh dimension that was very interesting because it was a repressed memory of some kind. She didn't know that that happened, but it did. And I thought that was a, that was interesting. Um, and we'll see, oh man, the, the scene where she talks to her mom about, you know, who she is and she'll call, you'll call me Miranda from now on. That sent chills up my spine. Well, I really they, want to know more about that. Can they access each other's memories? Because would Jane have Kay's and Miranda's memories? <sighs> You're going to have to, you know memories? what, here's, like, here's the, the truth. divergence point, you know? Here's the truth. I, I'm not a doctor, but I play one. No, I'm just Well, kidding. I'm not sure I don't how much know. this has any relation to actual. No, but that's the thing, though. It's based on an actual disorder. Well, of course uh, it is um, based on one. But right, I, think, so, I think we can all agree that there's, certain, there's a certain heightened reality. Oh, you're asking, are there established comic book rules for this situation? No, because I don't know any the other. Show, I'm just wondering if the show specifically has been clear on whether... It has not been clear. ...the different personalities share Kay's memories up to the point where her personality fragmented, 
or whether only Jane has Kay's memories or do none of them has Kay's memories? Do they all share each other's? Like, can, can Jane remember what Hammerhead did? If Hammerhead takes control for an hour, does Jane remember that? I, I don't, I'm not clear on that. And so the maybe, answer is no. She so, cleans up the mess. She finds herself in different places right. all the so time. So maybe Jane wouldn't Flit, when she teleports her, she, if she's on the other side of the country, she has to ask right. Flit so to Jane take her back. So Jane wouldn't remember that because Miranda was the one in charge. Exactly. For most of so that she scene. doesn't. Exactly. But I mean, based on my limited exposure to reading about multiple dissociative disorder and you're getting again you're gonna have to talk to a qualified phd on the on the subject but um i think that part of the repression like part of the therapy that happens when you're trying to have a person with dissociative disorder um treat their condition ideally you're going to want to reach a place where the person feels comfortable enough such that the personalities within them start to share that information again because that's the entire idea that the whole tenant is that somebody has been traumatized to such a degree that a different personality forms in order to protect that person and that person has to function and they won't be probably aware of the other stuff that well, caused those traumatic there's events been a lot i'm of, not sure there's but. been a lot of news um findings i'm not sure is the word for it but there's been a lot of recent stuff about this sort of i'm not even sure what the proper clinical term i mean we all know it is like multiple personality disorder well that's it like that's that, it but, but if you talk sure to that. dr andrea Remedi from your uh, what's her last name i don't Letamendi. Letamendi. they actually did a whole season on doom patrol she i stopped did. listening after a while oh. but, but she she had some stuff to say about this there's even there's even some stuff in the community now about whether this sort of thing is even real. Like if, uh. if it's just the sort of thing that's been popularized by movies. Probably, yeah. Um, and it doesn't actually really work the way that we all think it works where like they, oh, they, they of course this personality has no memory of what the other person, like that yeah, sort of yeah. stuff might not be how it actually works. So I don't want to venture so far as to say I don't either, how realistic it is. This is a show that is probably TV writer's version of what Grant Morrison wrote 30 years ago and he yeah. you know when the state <laughs> Again, of the psychological the, yeah. psychological knowledge was way less advanced mm-hmm. and he being a comic book writer probably wasn't even although it wouldn't surprise me if he knew oh. the, the, the exactly the state He's of the art when it, when it comes to certain aspects of psychological studies that man reads, um, that man reads a lot so again this is like several at several removes from actual clinical reality so yeah. I, i'm not sure you know the the rules that they operate under here aren't don't necessarily have to and i'm fine with that don't necessarily have to have any bearing on you know because the whole thing of the, they each have like separate superpowers and stuff so so clearly this is like there's more divergent than you would see in reality if only for that reason yeah. so yeah i'm just a little unclear if it was it clarified last season uh, for some reason i thought that jane had had Kay's memories mm-hmm. like she could remember when she was a child she has and if she some can they probably all can she has some of them because of the stuff that she went through in the underground from before so the whole walking out of the room um when her father came home that all stuff like she remembers bits and pieces of that she remembers the the utter fear that Kay felt um from her father but she i don't think she remembers all the details or at least it wasn't discussed at length. But um, sorry, but back to me mentioning Dr. Andrea Letamendi is because multiple personality disorder, that term has been reclassified as multiple dissociative disorder because it's not really like... Dissociative identity disorder? Yeah, disorder, yeah. I mean, she, she, again, find her. She's great. She has lots of presences on the internet and it's interesting to hear her talk about this. So I'm not going to get into it because she's already done it and she's done a way better job than I can ever do. So, um... I mean, I'm just having fun with the show. I think it's very interesting, but I I don't think that the current iterations of Jane can just at their whim share memories like that. And I think that this is one of the ones that 
were repressed, which is why it's so interesting to see it come up now and why getting some history on the former primary is very interesting, especially now that she's actually being almost booted by her underground. Um, she got jailed at the end of last episode, so that's kind of a thing. We're going to see who wakes up on the bus with Cliff next episode. Um, that's going to be important. And then uh, we didn't even touch upon um, Ray's actual stuff. Oh, and Cyborg. Cyborg found uh, um, a really interesting uh, person outside of the group to form a new relationship with. And that whole thing was very interesting. I just really like the way the show is handling everything. And she's she's a powerful character. I really like the actress that they cast for that role. She's really doing a fantastic job. Like, she, oh, she's great. So, yeah, I continue to enjoy the show. Mm-hmm. Um, how about you? Yes, me too. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it. Um, we're taking our time. They dropped the first three episodes in one go and then one more episode this week, but we only watched the first two. We're sort of spreading it out a little bit. <laughs> well, we've seen three now. We have. That's right. We have. We might have even seen... Well, no, we have the we, fourth. We, we, don't, we didn't watch the fourth yet. Don't <laughs> Um Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. I forgot about the whole Dorothy follow-up episode thing. Yeah, of course. Um, Yeah, so if you want to reach out to us, we have an email address, mailbag at smartspodcast.com. On Twitter, we are at smartspodcast. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash smartspodcast. And um, our website is www.smartspodcast.com. How about a funny sound for us? I don't have one. How about... Fleet. Ooh, very good. (laughs) 